Today's episode of Making the Brand discusses the true story of seven strangers picked to live in a house, work together, and have their lives taped. You know it is all about the real world. So find out what happens when I interview my friend Donna Bowling about this iconic show and how it fits into our pop culture zeitgeist. We've also got some takeaways for marketers and creators and just how this show inspired people to be authentic and vulnerable. But first, today's episode is sponsored by Vinyl. Vinyl reimagines how you discover new music. It's a vinyl record membership club that syncs with your Spotify. So you can get curated records sent straight to your door every month. And I know you'll look forward to unboxing three new records to add to your collection because finally, music lovers like you and me can learn about and remember new artists in a meaningful way. So head to vinyl.org to update your music profile and set the vibe for your first box. That's vinyl, V-N-Y-L.org. Welcome to Making the Brand, the podcast where marketing and pop culture collide. I'm your host, Brianne Fleming. I can't wait to chat about brands, boy bands, and everything in between. Because brands who have a pulse on pop culture can create adoring fans of their own. Welcome back to the Making the Brand podcast. Today's guest is my good friend, Donna Bowling, and she is perfect for this episode because we're talking all about our favorite coming of age show, The Real World. And I think we'll see a lot of parallels with Donna's experience because she's a former casting director and we know that casting is a big part of the real world, but she's also a pop culture buff, a podcast host, and a video and personal branding coach. So, hey, Donna, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Brianne. This is a long time coming. I know. I'm so excited to do this. One thing I know about you, I mean, like I said, you are a huge pop culture buff like me, but- <laughs> You grew up with the TV in your bedroom. So did yes. I. Mm-hmm. And I'm learning that not a lot of kids did. And I would love to know what are your memories watching the real world? The real world like equals my childhood. I don't know how to put it in a different way. I was exposed to it at such a young age. Like, here's the thing. Not only did I have access to TV, I had no rules. Like, I had no rules in place. I was literally watching anything. I was watching HBO. I was watching, I was, it's kind of like, actually a little bit like I let my kids watch YouTube, you know, it's kind Mm -hmm. of like they have access to things that you hope that your kids are mature enough that they can handle and know what, you know, whatever. But real world was definitely a little bit probably risque for my age but I was hooked from day one, hooked. Yeah, and that's so interesting to hear because I didn't grow up with rules either and and I'm not a parent. I know you are a parent and I've talked to my dad about that. Like, dad, I probably shouldn't have been watching this stuff. And he's like, if we would have told you you couldn't watch it, you and your brother, you would have found a way to watch it anyway. And I like to think we turned out okay. So what what is your, do you have that same philosophy with your own kids now? You said you let them watch watch YouTube. You think it's just, it makes sense to just have free reign like that? 
Well, it's like, there's a couple things here. So I looked at what year the real world New York came out and that was on, it was 92, 1992. So I was 11 years old. My son is 10. So we're in similar situations here. I think you have to know your kids. I really do. Because I think some kids are just prone to bad behavior. And if they're horrible kids or they're acting out, then you have to limit things. But if you have good kids, like I think, I think we were probably good kids, you and I, and our parents just trusted us. And I truly believe, and this goes for everything. This is like curfews and like rules of how long we could remember. There was no cell phones for me, at least growing up. So I was like sitting on my landline on the phone with my crushes, (laughs) but like there was all those kinds of, I had freedom with a lot of things like that, but I never I don't think I ever pushed it because I was given it to me. It's almost like the one thing that I was ever really held back from was sugary foods. My mom was really against like fruit, like fruit roll-ups and like gushers, I remember. And so I would crave them and I would go to friends' houses and like, like eat all of their pantry. And I think, see, that's the thing. It's like when you kind of limit these things, your kids are going to figure it out anyway. And the real world was like, seriously, I feel like I learned a lot from the real real world. Yeah. It really taught us about life because it went there. It covered some really serious topics. And I think, you know, maybe this is a stretch, but even at a young age, maybe it's beneficial for us to, to learn about these things in a real way. And I think it saved our parents some awkward conversations if we could just learn about it through TV. So why do you think this concept of you know how it goes. Seven strangers picked to live in a house. Why was this a good formula for TV that we saw? I think it's just, you know, a natural part of human behavior that they want to kind of look inside people's windows. Like that's going to sound creepy, but I always think about when I walk my dog in the evening and it's like not dark, dark, but it's like just starting to be dark. And you can kind of see inside people's windows because the lights are on. Yeah. I'm always so like, if I wasn't going to, if, if I, <laughs> I don't want to get arrested, but I could <laughs> just stand and just like, want to see what they're eating for dinner. Yeah. I'm interested in seeing behind the curtain and seeing behind the, the, the walls and real world was in my memory, the first opportunity to see real people living those lives. And I remember just even a few years around there, I don't know if I was younger or older, there was, there were like shows about summer camp on Nickelodeon and on the Disney channel, like that was reality shows. So it didn't, it wasn't just because of what real world was about. It was the concept of seeing people in a unfiltered, unscripted way, I think is just still to this day. Hello. I mean, that's like, I'm obsessed. Yeah. Yeah. And especially during these formative years, I mean, your, your early twenties are all making mistakes and they're just broadcasting theirs on national television for us. to and see. And they were so, but they were so old to me, right? Like yes. when I was watching the real world, New York, or the, the first one I, cause I don't think I watched the entire season of New York. I feel like I caught on towards the end, but the mm-hmm. real world Los Angeles or Venice Beach, I should say, is where they lived. And I lived in LA. So I saw a lot of like familiar places. I watched that season in its entirety. And to me, they were literally like 50 year olds. Like they were so old in my mind, but literally they were like 18 to 25, right? They were young on that show. Yeah. It's always so funny that if you watch something when you're younger, and then if you go back and watch it back once you're older, they still seem like they're older. You know what what is that? You know, I swear to God, <laughs> still to this day, like the cast of Real World Venice is are 50 year olds. Yeah. And like, I'm still 12. Yes, it's so weird. I don't know. It is really weird. 
Like when you when you watch when Harry met Sally, like today's Billy Crystal's birthday, and I just saw him tweet something, and he yeah, tweeted a picture sweater. of him, like in the, yes, in the same <laughs> in the same like thing, and you know he's seventy five now, and he was I don't know how old, probably forty or I don't know when he filmed that movie, but yeah. he still looks like an old man, even though yes. he's probably younger than me. Yeah, in that picture. <laughs> That's wild. I mean, I think the same thing, just watching friends now. I mean, when they were in their twenties, right. I'm like, they're always going to be <laughs> so much older than me. It's a weird concept. It is really weird. So speaking of that, I mean, you mentioned that you grew up in California and during my research, I learned that the real world was originally inspired by Beverly Hills, 90210, Melrose Place. Oh, wow. And it was, the show was initially considered to be they were going to make it a scripted series that was similar to those types of shows, but they ended up scrapping it because they decided that, that the cost of paying writers and actors and costume designers and makeup artists, the whole shebang, they decided that was too much money. So they ended up scrapping that whole idea and just, just made it real TV. And it's, it's funny to think about the cost effective <laughs> aspect of that. You know, well, because they paid them, they paid them nothing. I oh, remember yeah. reading something along those lines, like they paid them like a couple thousand dollars yeah. for three months of work. Yeah. And there was no, I mean, I don't know the the specifics, but my husband is a reality camera operator and DP. Mm -hmm. So he's in a union now. I don't know if there was even unions for people working on reality TV, if they had to like hire camera union guys. Yeah. So they probably, I mean, who knows what they even did there, like in terms of what they were actually paying people. It was uncharted territory. Mm -hmm. So they kind of just like were throwing ish at the walls and hoping yeah. for the best. And these cast members, like, would you have done it? Had you not known? Like, I'm curious, if, what would we do if we were? Yeah. Well, I think about reality TV now. I mean, you walk away, most people walk away with a huge Instagram following or a huge social following, and then they have something to, to do with it. But maybe that's why we see all of these real world stars. I mean, they go off and they do the challenge to try to win some money there. Like they keep it going because they didn't walk away with these big social followings like they would today if they were on yeah. it today. I don't know. Okay. So, so that is such an important part of reality TV and like how that's changed the game. Now it's known as a career like yeah. that. If you get on the bachelor and if you last long and make a lasting impression, a, you have a chance to be the next bachelorette or bachelor yeah. and B you very well could have a huge, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers on your Instagram, which leads to brand deals, podcasts, this, this, that it's, yeah one little thing that could change the rest of your life. So yeah. now it's really a viable career for people. But back then it really wasn't. It back wasn't. then they went, they did the show and then they went home. They went home. Yeah. <laughs> it's and crazy to think. Such a stepping stone. I mean, I know, I know your husband also has worked on Dancing with the Stars, correct? Because a lot of them even go on to do Dancing with the Stars. I just saw Gabby Windy, who was the bachelorette, she just mm. wrapped up. She went on tour with Dancing with the Stars. She got second place on the show and then just went on like a 60 city tour or 60 shows around the country. And I'm sure she was paid for that. Like I, I was just looking at that, like, wow, talk about living the dream. <laughs> you know who has taken the bachelor fame and taken it to an entire new level is Caitlin Bristow. Oh, that yeah. girl has such a successful podcast. She gets paid bank. She has a wine company. She has a yes. scrunchie company. She has, she was also on tour with dancing with the stars. She yes. probably does a million other things. 
I'm sure she'll write a book. It's like, it's one of those things. It literally is the gift that keeps on giving. She's also an amazing talent. You also have to be good at what you do. You can't yeah. just be on The Bachelor anymore. Yeah. And she, she's so good. They even invited her back to host a few, host yeah. two seasons, I think. Yeah. Of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. So so yeah, I mean, she's smart. She's smart. She she took that and, and built it into something even bigger. So it's interesting to see that contrast of then and now. Seriously. So we touched on this a little bit, just some of the, the big topics that were covered on The Real World. I mean, we saw prejudice, religion, abortion, sexuality, AIDS, death, politics. There was just no, no subject was left out or censored. They really went everywhere. So, but I read that in the later seasons, and I can kind of see this being true, that in the later seasons, the show started to get a reputation as being just a place to show immature and irresponsible behavior. It kind of shifted into just being like this party show and people were getting arrested left and right. But I remember it, I think, for those big topics and things that were covered. So what are your thoughts on this and and how vulnerability makes for great content, dare I say? I mean, it's interesting to think of it as content, but it's it was a TV show. And I think there's a, a big opportunity to discuss vulnerability in social media content as well and what we could take away from that. Yeah, I mean, it's there's so many ways you can go with that, right? So mm-hmm. just think about social media, forget reality TV for a second and just think about social media. And we go through these trends, right? Like where a few years ago, it was all about the Instagram aesthetic, right? That perfect curated aesthetic that we all know in the, in the, you know, 2018 to 2020 type of like time, right. Where it was so all about like really bright light, light colored photos, everything in the same filter. And, and quickly after I think the pandemic and everything, people really started to embrace real. And then what happened is it became a little performative, right? Like this need to be real because you have to be real. You you're not being real because you just want to be real. You're being real because you want the likes. So you're trying to be real. And I feel like with real world, like the magic that happened in those early seasons is because there was absolutely no idea where this show was going to go. And it was the same on every single big show. There's magic in, in opportunities when you don't really see like the end game, like the truth is even Real Housewives, like season, the first seasons of Real Housewives are always the best TV because they're not in it to be on Real Housewives. They're in it just because they got hired on this cool reality show, but they have no idea what the ramifications are. And then it becomes pushed and produced and created. And what was the last season of Real World? Like, I don't think they've had one. Yeah, it's been a few years. I read that it came back and it was just like on Facebook Watch, I want to say, in the 2010s or so. And it like wasn't even on regular MTV. It's been a few years, but yeah, I think it deserves a comeback. <laughs> I'm sure it does. But how how can they even do it in a way that feels like there's such magic about it back then. And you're right. Like no one had their phones really or anything like that. There was no social. Can you imagine going into a house right now for three months and not being able to like, like create social media content around it would never happen. Like even on summer house or winter house shows like that, that are on Bravo, which is essentially like a real world for a Mm -hmm. short amount of time. 
they're all very active in their normal day-to-day lives while in the house. So it would have to be a very different kind of a, a show, but I loved like seeing what comes to mind when I think of like those really kind of hardcore vulnerable moments is like the first that I can think of is real world San Francisco, right? So Pedro, when he had HIV AIDS, he was very, very young and he was very openly gay. And to talk about that back in 90 something, I don't even know, probably 95 or so. It was so crazy. I remember watching all of that, like kind of come out live. I remember when he died so soon after the show either aired or the finale, and then they had a big special about it. And it was like, it was so eye-opening to me. I never had known anyone that had AIDS other than like Magic Johnson, right? Like that's what you, it was so, it was so crazy to kind of see those kinds of stories. And then when people's like parents would die, they would find out on camera or when people's boyfriends broke up with them Mm -hmm. or crazy stuff like that, that you just never saw. Yeah. I remember in the Austin season, Danny's mom died on camera. He got the phone call. Yes. Yeah. That was, I went through a, a deep dive of Danny and Melinda recently. Yes. Yes. That was another thing that happened with the real world. And I'm sorry to kind of go off tangent. No, no. It's one of my favorite seasons. So (laughs) that's a great season. The relationships, the -hmm. relationships that came out of the real world were so interesting to watch. Like we fell for the couples, we were in the relationship with them. And we've all had those like summer camp experiences where you're away for like two weeks, but it feels like, you know, each other for seven years Yes, and you get so close so fast. Cause you're in this kind of, I mean, it's almost like trauma bonding. Like you're just yeah. like going through this like weird situation all alone and you're trying to kind of connect to anyone. So that's why relationships on the real world happen so like intensely. Right. And some couples stay together. There are some couples that are still together. And then of course there's couples that, that like have just horrendous endings and break up. Yeah. I, (laughs) I did a deep dive on, on their relationship as well. Recently, I was trying to research who is still together, but it, it is, I mean, you're seeing their full love story from beginning to end, literally going from strangers to something more. And it's it's oftentimes like people you would never see together, or it's just, you really get out of your comfort zone and you fall in love in that environment. It's really weird. (laughs) I wonder if casting has any idea who they think is going to end up together. Yeah. I'm sure that they kind of like hope for Mm. certain couples. Yeah, But that's not an accident that they put like good looking single people together. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, that brings me to my next question. So you are a former casting director. would love to hear more about that experience and what you think went into casting for the real world. And from your experience, what are some things that you would have looked for? So, okay. That that's, it's so funny to think about. I always casted scripted. I have casted a couple reality shows, but in general, my, my position was mostly scripted. And when you're looking for someone for a scripted show, they just have to be good actors. Like that's the primary concern. Obviously they have to have the right look and they have to have a good energy, et cetera, et cetera, but they have to have a good acting ability. But to be on a show like the real world, or Real Housewives or any of these, you actually, the act, being a good actor is probably a detriment to, towards you. You yeah. want to be as un, 
aware almost of the fact that cameras are following you, like like blissfully unaware, but also an incredibly strong, compelling personality. And I look at TikTok as a really great, almost like like parallel to reality casting because we are all on TikTok all day long scrolling short form video. Yeah. And there are certain people that you will, you don't know who they are. You're not following them. And they're talking about something that you're not really even that interested in, but you are watching that video yeah. because there's something about their, their approach, their look, their vibe, their energy, their voice, whatever it is that makes you want to watch. And I think that that is what makes a good reality star, someone that is compelling AF, someone that's really good sto with storytelling and someone that is not afraid to truly be themselves, not because a camera's there. Yeah. And we all have seen those misses, right? Like maybe not on real world, but we've all seen misses, M-I-S-S-E-S, -S -S, like on, on casting. Yeah. Certain housewives seasons come to mind all the time where I'm like, they really went wrong. Like why did they think that she was going to be a good housewife? And it throws off the entire show. Yeah. Casting is Honestly, and we've seen in our real world too. And it's usually the characters that they just kind of leave out, right? Like yeah. it's those ones that you just don't really see a lot in the season. Mm -hmm. They're just randomly there in the background. They're, they yes. don't ever have like big storylines. Yes. Because they're just not, there's something that is just not like vibing. It doesn't mm -hmm. work. Yeah. And do you think, I mean, back in the real world, they would submit these audition tapes that they would film themselves and put together and- I think today, if the real world were still around, do you think that that would still be a step that people would submit audition tapes? Or do you think that maybe the producers would go out and scout and just look on TikTok and look at who's already maybe a good fit? Do you, or do you think they would so do they, an open call? So, so my trainer from my gym is auditioning for Big Brother right now. Ooh. And it's a full, like she's doing a video. It's not necessary, but it's a bonus because essentially they do it two ways. They have open calls and then they also have video submissions. And so you can audition for a video and an open call. Got but it. ideally you're submitting in both ways because you want more chances to be seen and, and taken seriously. But a video is always going to show you in a way that you know, because to see someone on TikTok may, may be interesting and maybe like, ooh, but that's not going to be good enough. They need to see what you're like on camera. And that's really what it is. And they're not going to fly someone out to audition immediately or interview in person. So they'll they'll probably first do a taped audition or a tape situation. And they want to see kind of what their vibe is like at home and what, what their family's like. And maybe do they have a boyfriend or what do they do for fun and just see them in their home element. And then if they like them, they'll bring them in for the next round of auditions is usually how it works. And that's actually how it works with scripted as well. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of times you're getting taped auditions as the first audition. If you like what you see, then you bring them in. Yeah. I love those stories of people who get cast in shows. Like they just like on a last ditch effort, they're like, all right, I'll just submit an audition tape for this. Like I think about Brett Goldstein from Ted Lasso, the guy who plays Roy Kent, like he was a writer and he was like, Mm, I think I could, I could play Roy. And he just like very last minute, put together a quick little video of himself, sent it off. He's like, if you hate this, we don't have to talk about it ever again. And he's, <laughs> he's won Emmys for it. So. What about on the office? Yeah. Uh, do you remember the, the, I don't know what her character, what she did again. She worked obviously in the office Phyllis. She was like a little bit older, a little bit heavier yeah. woman. Yeah. She was the casting associate on the show. They, they found her 
because she was reading with the actors and they were like, yeah. she's so good. We have to put her in the show. <laughs> I, I mean, that her. can you imagine? Yeah. I, I just think that's like the coolest thing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I love that too. Your life just goes in a completely different direction. Or, but what about when, remember on that Boston season, I don't know if it was, I think it was Boston. I could be wrong, but I think it was Boston when, when the guy fell in love with the producer on real, real, real world. Do you remember that? I didn't see Boston. Okay. I'm going to have to find out his name. I want to say is David or something. And, and the producer was Kira. I'm, I'll be crazy if that I actually get so this right. Cool. <laughs> but honestly, it was, it was the craziest thing. They fell in love during the show. Yeah. David Burns and Kira in 1998. And so they fell in love because she she was like part of the in, the interviewing process yeah. and then producing the show and they like fell for each other and they actually ended up, he ended up leaving the show because he was so in love with her. Oh my God. And he was like calling on pay phones. He was leaving yeah. the house and calling on pay phones and like they were catching it. Like producers yeah. were catching. I mean, crazy, right? That's so cool. Yeah. Maybe she, maybe she casted him because she was like, Hmm, I'm kind of attracted to this guy. Who knows? I mean, love is love is love. <laughs> right, right. The heart wants what the heart wants, Brianne. Yes, I can appreciate that. I'll have to add Boston to my list. I am playing major catch up on my seasons. But for those listening, you can get there's Donna looked it up. There's 21 seasons of the real world on Paramount Plus. So 21. Go check it out if you need some nostalgic escapism. So you touched on it briefly that they're looking to see who is great on camera. And I know that is your expertise is helping people become more confident on camera, helping people refine their personal brands and really go after opportunities that they want. So taking a step back a little bit from the real world, just in general, what makes a good pitch or what, what advice would you offer to someone who is trying to put themselves out there a little bit more and there's an opportunity that they want and they don't really know where to begin or how to illustrate everything that they can do? Yeah. Obviously it's going to depend on what the situation is for. There's certain things that you have to put yourself on tape for to submit maybe for like a speaking gig or for a job or whatever. But in general, I would say when it comes to showing up on camera and being someone that you want to watch. Obviously, there's going to be a lot in terms of your energy, in terms of your ability to vocalize and verbalize what you're supposed to in a timely yeah. and like succinct manner. I think too many people love to ramble and rambling is going to kill you on camera or just in general, you know, if you're a big rambler, like start a podcast, you know, that's a great place to ramble. But if you want to submit something or be on some sort of short form video, you have to learn how to edit yourself. You have to understand that you're, you have a goal and you need to kind of hit that goal right away. I'm a big fan of eye contact. I'm a big fan of smiling. I'm a big fan of using your hands in videos and not being robotic and stiff. I'm anti-script. I think that a script will murder your, your ability to come off authentic and real. I think it's really about if you do need to follow anything, bullet points. But the truth is, 
I think video is a really great way of what we say is shrinking the distance, right? So you are in Florida, Brianne, and I am all the way across the world. Not really, but the country I've heard. Coast to coast. Um, I have no idea. I'm not yeah. a geography expert. Like, definitely not. I think we're far away from each other. I'm in LA. Yeah. We have only met on video, but I feel like I know you so well. Yeah. So this the video ability is how can you really become who you are and give people that in-person experience through the screen. And what's weird about video is so many of us, especially when you're uncomfortable with it and you're not like, you're not using video often, you turn something on when the camera turns on. Yeah. And that's actually really, really not ideal, right? The ideal thing is that you're getting what they would get in real life. Mm -hmm. There's nothing worse than when you meet someone in real life after watching them just say on Instagram and you're like, you don't have a personality. Yeah. Why? Do you, right? <laughs> Way cooler online. <laughs> yes. Or like maybe they're yeah. really funny in real life. And then on video, they're very stilted or awkward. And, yeah. you know, the best. And I think that's just practice. I think doing it over and over and over and over to the point where you almost forget that the camera is there. And I think on reality shows, you you eventually like if anyone is on a reality show, like I'm going to use Real Housewives again because that's just like my go-to. So on Real Housewives, Jamie Lee Curtis showed up on an episode because she's real-life friends with one of the Beverly Hills Housewives. And in the scene, she literally keeps looking at the camera. Now, she's an actress. Yeah. But she's not used to reality TV. She's mm -hmm. used to maybe doing like live interviews or whatever, where she does have to kind of engage yeah, with the that's camera. So funny. <laughs> so, so like that's not ideal. You got to find a way to almost live so that you don't even see the camera anymore. And I think that happens over time. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, those are great lessons. And I think you are a master at that. Just like letting people be a fly on the wall throughout the day, <clears throat> throughout your day. And you, you make it interesting. It's really a gift to, to let people experience your day with you and just show all these moments in your life and to still make it entertaining and interesting. I think you're, you're so great at that. And I admire it so much. I think, I think just for anyone that is number one, thank you. And, but I think for anyone that is more interested in showing up more on camera, maybe for their personal brands and just starting to kind of create a little bit more connection with their audience, cause that's going to create connection. Just think before you post. And the reason why I say that is a lot of people feel like they just need to kind of check the boxes, must show up on stories today, must create a reel, must do this, must do. And your audience doesn't give a crap if you create a reel today, if it's bad, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But they do care and they are interested genuinely, just like we're interested in real world. They are interested in what you're eating for lunch. They are interested in the stupid mundane things you're doing today yeah. or what shows you're into or how much Nutella you're eating at night. And I think too many of us are in our heads. They don't care. They don't care. I have to make it interesting. Yeah. I would say, forget about making it interesting. Just let people in. Yeah. That's so true. I mean, I think about there's, one of my former students, actually, she and I, I mean, I had her as a student quite a few years ago now, but recently she just bought a new house and has been like documenting that process of some of her design choices. And like, she and I have gone back and forth with DMs, like, and really connected over her backsplash, <laughs> like picking backsplash colors. Right. And like, oh, she finally got it installed. How does it look? And she's like, oh, it looks good. But now I think we're going to take it to the ceiling. Like, just like the most like seemingly mundane things but people relate to them in, in certain ways once you share it. So 
I get much more engagement off really silly, stupid, personal things about my life or things I'm watching on TV than ever when I come online talking about a business offering. Yeah. Well, I swear the second I bring up my business, people are like, next. Yeah. (laughs) They're not interested. But I think you would agree. I, I know you've tweeted about this before that personal branding doesn't have to be as niche as maybe we think like it doesn't have to be as business focused people want to see kind of that 360 view into your life and learn about your quirks and your personality and and what you're watching so yeah i just i'd love to know more on your philosophy on that and how to do that well while still you know maybe keeping it focused or i guess my question is how does sharing those personal quirks and those moments of your personal life potentially help you in your business or in your life or your goals? Yeah, I think there's always a through line and we forget that. So something that I try to teach my audience is, or my clients is if you're interested in something that has nothing to do with your business, right? Like that is very, very like kind of niche or random, but you're obsessed with it. For example, Brianne, if you were obsessed with long distance running, which is not about personal branding and it's not about, you know, marketing, but it's running, you love to run. I would very heavily ask you to keep creating content around that running, but, but frame it in a way that it's not about the run. Yeah, sure, it's about the run. But the lesson there is the consistency that you have to put into the running, the Mm -hmm. running when it gets hard, doing it when you don't want to do it, failing and keeping going the next day, getting injured and trying again. And I think that that is the missing piece that a lot of people forget. So like for me, you know, I do all those video coaching, personal branding, all that stuff for business. Mm -hmm. But my obsession is you know, reality TV, pop culture, like that. And I'm leaning really heavily into it right now with my new podcast. And that feels so disjointed to some. But the reason why I'm doing it is because I am literally showing you firsthand as an audience, here's how you start something new. Here's how you create content. Here's how you do something that feels so uncomfortable and so out of your comfort zone, but you're doing it anyway. Here's how it looks to grow in real life. And the here's how you have to create a reel every day. Like I'm making it about them but it's really about my podcast. Brilliant. Yeah. You find Does those, that make sense? yeah, you find those themes, you find those takeaways. And even though it's about your pop culture podcast, like you said, even if you are a runner or your interest is food or, you know, yoga, whatever it might be, they can apply some of those learnings that you've had from building your thing to whatever they're building. So there is a method to your madness, Donna. I just think it's, it's so brilliant. (laughs) Thanks. And I think, listen, if we just talked about business and we just sold, and we just talked about our, our product, our service, we may get followers and we may get business, but we will not get connection. Yeah. We've all followed those people, even just on Twitter. Think about Twitter. Mm -hmm. Like how many people do you follow on Twitter that are Truly, all they talk about is how many signups they got on their program and the the you know how much their membership has grown and how many this and how many people and how many downloads and mute. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's mute unfollow. But it's like cool, that's awesome. And maybe yeah. I'll go check out your course because it's clearly doing well. Yeah. But do I even know what your wife's name is? Mm-hmm. Do I even know anything about what you like to do? Like, are you gonna be first to mind, come to mind when I think about something like if you think about any of those big marketers, any of those successful people, any of the Sarah Blakeleys of the world, any of, you know, it's not about the business as mm-hmm. much as it is who they are. 
Yeah. And and those are the little things that make you more memorable. Like you said, it makes you top of mind and it, it, it just humanizes that business person a little bit more and makes them and more relatable and creates that connection. Like you said, and that's what we're 100%. after with all of this. So that is so true. So getting back to the real world, what do you think marketers and creators can learn from the real world? I mean, we know that it it kind of pioneered this idea of reality TV. We've touched on a few different takeaways, but is there any, anything else you'd add about what was so novel about this and what those themes and takeaways are? I would say the, the absence of originality is astounding these days. And I think so many people feel the need to copy what, pe what people are doing because they know it's working for them. Mm -hmm. So like, the world of TikTok is literally based, it's thank God it's kind of calmed down, but it was started based on copying others. And mm -hmm. that's why it's still acceptable there. And it's fine if you copy someone, but not ever. You're never going to stand out. You're never going to be a recognizable name. There's seven strangers that come into every house of the real world. And yet there's only one or two stars that come out of it. There's yeah. always going to be four, three or four people that you can't remember their names. You will literally look at them on the TV show and be like, I kind of like if you saw them at the market, you wouldn't be like, I know who you are. You'd be like, I yeah. think I know who you are. Yeah. You want to be the person who they're like, I know who you are. And I remember everything about you. And what's your boyfriend? What is your boyfriend up to today? You know, because yeah. they know so much about you. And so for if you're a content creator, if you're a marketer online, you have to lean into the things that really separate you. And sometimes that's not going to be the popular thing. Like that's the thing. There are people that really landed their like, or made their mark on the real world and now on the challenges. And they weren't always the greatest. Look at CT. Yeah. My boyfriend, CT. I'm obsessed <laughs> with CT. I, I, CT is my, I mean, is he not First love. Oh, I know. Of second love, 10th love. I mean, I'm obsessed <laughs> with him. But CT was kind of a jerk. Yeah. He did have that soft side, though, with his relationship with DM on that show. But other than that, he was a jerk, but he made his mark. He was exactly who he is. Mm -hmm. And you will never forget him. If you're a fan of Real World or, or Challenge, you know who CT is, right? Yeah. And that goes to say, like, you can say that for a lot of the people. So if you do want to stand out in this kind of online space that is, so insanely overcrowded. The only way to do that is really unapologetically be yourself. And that's hard for a lot of people. Yeah. And to piggyback off that, I mean, I think we saw that constantly with Jersey Shore, which kind of followed the real world. It was pretty much right after it was eight strangers picked to live in a house, but they all had this, you know, these common themes, these common habits and behaviors. And a lot of people didn't understand some of the stuff that they did or the way that they dressed, the way that they talked, but they were so unapologetic and they're still, they, that show still, that still show is on. still on. I just read that Sammy Sweetheart is coming back. Yes. Yes. I, 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 that is the Jersey shore <laughs> is unlike anything you've seen. Like if you watch back at season one, I have, it's, I, I feel like I need to, it is, it's like, a science experiment. Like yes. it's crazy. It's like they literally put like crazy animals in a cage and then like, like poured gasoline on them yeah. and lit a match <laughs> and said like, go. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. They literally did not care that a camera was there the yeah. way that they acted. Oh my god, It's gosh. the best TV. 
It is it so worked, such good TV. It works so well. I mean, to the same point as the real world, you don't have to hire writers and makeup artists and this whole entourage of people to keep the show running. It's just that they were they were the stars. They had the star power just by human beings are like human beings are really, really interesting. Actually, yeah. we all if you get some strong personalities together in a room, you will have chemistry. You will have like TV magic yeah. because there's no way that you're going to take strong personalities, put them in a house and not expect that like there's going to be tension. There's going to be arguments. There's going to be love. There's going to be sex. There's going to be crazy fights. Like it's just going to, it's going to work. It's a magic formula and it happens over and over again. And even on Bravo, like Vanderpump rules, taking these young kids that, that look at this, look what's happened with Vanderpump rules right now. Yeah. It's taken over the world in terms of the scandal. So reality TV has, magic that you cannot create unscripted. It's a different kind of magic, but yes, it's unlike anything before. It's so true. Yeah. And it'll surprise you <laughs> in the craziest ways for real. Yeah. Now I'm going to, I have to just catch up on all these shows again. It's just, it's, <laughs> they're still entertaining, <laughs> to this no, it, day. It's, but it really is. It's like a moment in time. It's a time capsule. When you watch yes. these shows, in fact, one of the kids that was on the real world, Paris, I went to high school with, and he was two years older than me. He was my sister's grade. So we were, but we were very close friends. Like we would always party together. His name's Adam. Mm -hmm. He is, he was the one that got in like a really big fight with CT, my boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> later on, but it was the craziest thing because he went from being this like, you know, cool kid, whatever at Beverly Hills high school went on that show and came back and we would like see him at the bars and he just thought he was like the man and people would recognize him. That was the days where like you can't, you were recognized if yeah. you were on a real world. Yeah. So cool. I would like to get personal for a second because I know you recently posted about this stage in your life that you're in where you kind of feel like you're confused, but you don't know where you fit in because you feel like you were still in your twenties and we're not at that stage anymore. Neither am I. Um, and you feel like you, your love of pop culture and some of these things that you're interested in might not suit, you know, what people would expect from you in this stage of life. So I, I was just curious about that because I thought it was kind of relevant to talking about the real world where everyone was in their twenties and everyone was having fun. It was kind of this carefree period. And I, I, I know we've touched on this already, but just talking about being unapologetically yourself and just staying true to who you are. So I'm curious, once you shared that, that reel, what the response was, and if you found that other people are relating to this, and if you can just elaborate on what you would tell someone who may be in a similar boat. So, so I, I love the conversation because I really do feel like I'm in the middle of something. I'm 42 this year. But my passions and my interests are very aligned with like the young. What are you? You're not. A, I'm a millennial. I'm, I'm at like the top of millennials. I'm in like the middle of millennial. Yeah. What's after us? Gen Z. You mean okay. Yeah. So so I'm like a, I'm I'm an older millennial. Yeah. But I feel like you know I should be in that young like 20s 30s age with a lot of my excitement like things I love to do and my energy and my passions and what I watch on TV and where I work out etc cetera, etc. Cetera. So what happened was a couple of my friends had stitched the TikTok and the reel and like added it to theirs and so so many people came out and especially on TikTok the responses were crazy because what what I realized was there's a whole generation of women like me who are in their 40s, early 40s, 
we grew up assuming that when you become a mom in your forties, like mid forties or whatever, you cut your hair short, Mm -hmm. you start, you know, doing playing mahjong and you, (laughs) you know, like you, you drink tea every night and like, you know, you, I don't know, go on like play Get a minivan, or whatever. minivan yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like it's said, and there are a lot of women actually who do that now, yeah. but that was our idea of getting older. Mm-hmm. Social media has changed the game. I'm convinced. Like I truly believe having access to real life women that are either our age, a little older, a little younger mm-hmm. around the world so easily, which we never used to have when we were kids and our parents were in their forties. They didn't have that. They just had the TV shows that they would watch about people their age. And so they just kind of, you know, you, you become what you watch. So like we, we watched real world. We were wearing clothes after that, you know, we watched shows, we dressed like them. That's what our parents did. But now we're watching like Alex Earl and we're watching all these like 20 sums and we're putting on highlighter in places we never used to. Yeah. And we're throwing on like oversized sweaters and little spandex shorts we're and like a belt middle bag. parts and <laughs> my middle part is is rock and strong. By the way, I love a middle great. part. It looks I love great. a middle part. Thank you so much. I can't but do there's... it if I have the widow's peak. It's just there's no hope for me, but it's fine. <laughs> we, we'll try to work on it. I'm yeah. sure there's a product out there that you can find on TikTok Probably. to fix that. Yeah. But there's there's just so much influence now mm-hmm. and so much more like a to see, I don't know. TikTok is, has been such a game changer to see like, you're not alone. If you are 45 years old and you're obsessed with watching, you know, early episodes of real world or, you know, Vanderpump rules at night. And like, you're obsessed with the scandal. You're not alone. Yeah. There's a, like a, a whole host of women out there that are doing, if you are a single woman and you like going out and partying and dancing and you're 50, you're not alone. There's other women that do that. You don't have to fall into the box. And that is the coolest thing about social media. It's the connection. It's the relatability. And I guarantee you real world was the same. There was someone out there that was that character of Julie, the 19 year old girl who came from like Alabama or whatever into a big city. Yeah. And said, you know, things that she didn't mean, but were very offensive and racist, but she didn't know any better. You know, I watched an episode of the Vegas one. Did you see this when Trishelle was like, it's not that I don't ha- want black friends. I just don't know any black people. Yes. Like oh. she was so open yeah. about her experience. Number one, by the way, I don't think people would feel comfortable saying that anymore in 2023. No, no, there are a lot of things. If you look back, if social media existed, these, these people who were casted would have been <laughs> very much canceled. Yeah. It's like, we were so much more free to say what was on our mind back then without the fear of like cancel culture. Yeah. Um, Forgiving. I think, you know, what'd you say? I think we were more forgiving because it just kind of came and went, you know, Yeah, we didn't have a whole host of people to like piggyback on. Yes. Yeah. And like, whatever you thought about it is just like, okay, that's kind of what I think. And like, you weren't really influenced by all the anger, these other people that kind of come out and maybe shift your opinion on and say, yeah, I do kind of see that that's messed up. Like if you, like if you were upset at what Trishelle said, like, what would you do? You would write an email to MTV. Like you wouldn't be able to quickly just make a TikTok or tweet it. Yes. And I think that's the difference. And like, you know, not to like change subjects, but like the Hugh Grant and Ashley Graham interview moment on the red carpet at the Oscars. A lot of people have taken a lot of offense to how Hugh Grant acted. And did he act amazing? Absolutely not. But it was just an awkward moment. He wasn't like a horrendous human being. He wasn't a jerk. It was just an awkward moment, but the whole world 
jumped on that immediately. Yeah. And all of a sudden Hugh Grant was labeled like a dick. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's so interesting. Curmudgeon. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. And if, you know, pre-social media and pre even DVRs and TiVo and all those things like that moment just would have come and gone probably. It might've totally. been covered in, you know, major news, maybe the next day, but it, everything was yesterday's news a lot more quickly than today. Totally. Oh, it's nerve wracking. <laughs> it's like uh, scary. Words. Let's just yeah. keep our mouths quiet. Yes. This is going so well so far. <laughs> so <laughs> we've made it so far, yes, so far, so good. But yeah, I really resonate with that, with feeling like you're just this younger version of yourself, like you're forever young. I mean, as someone who's I'm 33 and I'm still going to Backstreet Boys shows and obsessed with boy bands and people in my, well, I'd say this is kind of unfair, but I would say for the most part, people that I know personally, like don't really get it, but there are a ton of people on Twitter and in these fan groups and things that are my age and still going to the show and still tweeting yeah. about them and stuff. So you find your people and not everyone's going to understand everything you do and everything you love. But as long as you're being true to I yourself, mean, my husband is, yeah. is 44 and I still catch him like playing video games once in a while. Like what, yeah. why do we have to grow up? Why we don't we don't just do what you love? I, there I you go. It. So speaking of that, I mean, the real world, it's a huge coming of age show. We're talking about how we're, we're looking back and a lot of things that they've, they've done, you know, to see it in hindsight, a lot of things would have been maybe canceled or cringeworthy. So I would love to know, Donna, what would you tell your 22 year old self right now, looking back on, on your life? If you, if you, if you were on the real world and you saw, and you're, you're, 20 something life was filmed and you could see that and look back. I would have gotten it. canceled so fast. <laughs> I'll tell you why, because I have no filter and I say things on my, like, I just say whatever's on my mind. And sometimes yeah. that gets me in hot water. It's not necessarily <laughs> like politically incorrect or racist or anything. I'm just, yeah. sometimes I'm, I think I'm funny and I'm not. And I think that like that came with age, right? So if I would have looked back at 22, I mean, I was a mess at 22. I was anxious beyond belief. I was, you know, partying too much. I probably was hooking up with too many guys. Like, let's be honest, right? Yeah. I was all over the place. So I would have been highly embarrassed. Yeah. And I'm so glad that footage doesn't exist. Yes. Thankfully, yes. You and me both, we don't really have our our 20s in a time capsule. My 20s are on Facebook and albums from my like pink digital camera, but I at least got a, to pic pick. a picture is much better than a yes. video. Yes. And I got to pick what was uploaded. So. There you go. There you so go. It's much safer. Donna, this was so fun. But before we go, I want you to tell everyone all about your podcast, where they can go to follow more of you because you have a new daily show and it's all pop culture oriented. So tell us about it and where everyone can find more of you. Thank you. So yes, at 41, almost 42 years old, I've decided to add a daily five day a week podcast about celebrity gossip, pop culture, entertainment news, a little bit of life mixed in. It's usually about 15 minutes long, approximately. It's called Daily Dose of Donna. And it's it's something that I used to always kind of want to do and never had the guts to do it. And one day on January 6th, which is so funny. That was the day of the insurrection. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know why I'm using that day always, but that really was, yeah. but it was 2023. January 6th, I woke up and I was like, I'm going to create a da daily podcast. And literally one hour later, it was published online. Like I didn't think about it. I just yes. did. And the numbers are going great. It's going, it's really, really doing well. I promote it on TikTok every single day. And I'm, I'm talking about topical situations. So like today's episode is all about Lindsay Lohan being pregnant. Yes. And 
and Paris Hilton, you know, in her memoir. So yeah, so it's a really, really fun show for me to do. And it's easy and, and I get it done in between clients. Yeah. And what a great way for all of us to stay current and to just have a nice, you know, we said the real world is a form of escapism, but I think your podcast is really great as well. It's a nice, easy listen. And you're so just your delivery, everything is just so fun. So everyone go check out daily dose of Donna. This was so fun. So fun. We'll have to maybe do a part two just on Jersey shore. Just, Oh my God, let's do it. Some of these other shows that need a full deep dive, but thank you so much. Love you. Thank you. If you're a fan of this podcast, be sure to subscribe or better yet, leave a review for marketing wisdom with a pop culture twist sent straight to your inbox. Sign up for my newsletter at briannefleming.com slash newsletter, or find me on Twitter at Brianne2K. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.